biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was just in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm Rachel Gu, and I'm joined by Jacob on the phone today, along with Tim Lee, our resident street fighter slash Injustice 2 slash everything expert. Um, Tim and Jacob, how are you guys? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm going to go to Evo tomorrow. So, Yes, I will be joining you on that trip to Vegas. Tim, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I will also be on that trip, but not with you guys, but I'll be there tomorrow as well. Oh, cool. Then I'll see you there, Tim. Yep. So as you guys probably know, we have Evo this weekend, which me, Jacob, and Tim are all attending. So if you are going to be in Vegas or the Mandalay Bay, be sure to say hi. You literally can't miss us, or you might miss me because I'm kind of short in real life. Um, and But Jacob's like six foot tall, so you cannot miss him. Literally. So everyone gets to go to Vegas except the producer. I see how you guys do that. <laughs> Tarika, you know that if Tarika, I could, I would put her. you in my suitcase. It's all right. Next time, next time. Tarika, Tarika, one day we just need to do we need to do a podcast live from the Evo 4. There it like is. Yes. Oh, my God. That's perfect. Got it. <laughs> that would that would be so chaotic, but it'd be so fun. So I don't know amazing. why that wasn't already uh, planned. I felt like that should have been happening already. Tim knows what's up. Next time we'll pitch it. All right, mm, for sure. <laughs> let's let's dive right into things. Street Fighter Five is returning to ESPN Two this Sunday. The finals at 10 p.m. Um, also, the headliner at Evo this year. And Tim, so Punk was listed as your favorite this year on your sort of power rankings that went up on our website earlier today um you sort of alluded to him as the quote hit and run style that's made him so successful but what exactly Mm -hmm. does that mean and why do you think he's going to take it all right well this game like street fighter 5 is really hard to play in neutral because there's like a lot of buffer windows so what i mean by that is that he pretty much walks into a space walks out of a space and if he sees a button being pressed he presses his button at the same time and then he hits them, and then he hits in, and then he goes back and then does the same thing over and over again. So he pretty much does exactly what the game allows him to do, but he's the best at doing it, which is basically invade a space, take over someone's, like, uh, privacy, and then if they try to, like, push back, he'll push, he'll push back, and then he'll hit and uh, punish them for doing that. So nobody else does that as well as he does, uh, and he has a perfect character for doing that because he plays Karen or Karim. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's the best in the world at doing that, and the game allows you to do that because that's the way the game is formulated to play in neutral and he's the best at doing it. So that's why he's done so well over the past year. And that's why he's my favorite because long tournaments like this, you have to have some sort of game plan to beat all the, uh, the pool scrubs and all the random players that you're going to have to face up against. And he has a style that matches up perfectly in beating those kind of players. Yeah. So when I spoke to Punk at CEO, um, the night before and after. Uh, after he lost, it was kind of bittersweet from him, from what I gather, uh, essentially because he wanted, obviously, to win CEO. He had just won E-League not too long beforehand. Um, but the thing is, is, is it felt like he was a little relieved because now he, even though he is the favorite for Evo by, like, a significant margin, um, and as we all pretty much think, um, despite him being the favorite for Evo, he lost at CEO and kind of the pressure is off. Um, you know, the CEO winner is often the all eyes are on them. Once for two keto last year, was for Hungry Box and Melee, which actually worked out a lesson the year before. Um, so now now that he lost CEO, 
there's a, a little bit less pressure on him to, you know, repeat at a second tournament in a month in a month span. So I I definitely agree with him that he is the favorite here. And he was regardless of the CEO outcome, but now I think like the pressure's off a little bit less. Okay, well so. let me ask you guys this then, and either one of you can weigh in on this. Um I see Knuckle do as another favorite coming into the competition and I'm wondering what he needs to do to defend his Capcom throne. Like, have, how have people figured him out, and like, what can he do to adapt to the changes that Street Fighter V has brought? Uh, so basically, um, his weaknesses are slow play. Um, so players that really grind the game down put a lot of issues into his game plan. Um, also, he's never really beaten Punk. He's had so many difficulties trying to take care of the Punk problem, and he's lost every time, basically. And we saw that when he won his last major, because uh, Punk wasn't there, the player that gave him the most issue was Snake Eyes. And even though Geef versus Guile was a terrible matchup for Geef, um, Punk had a uh, not Punk, uh, Knuckle uh, had a pretty hard time. Yeah, Knuckle had a hard time mostly because you know Snake Eyes kind of grinded the game down. And there's a lot of players in the top echelon that are very very slow paced, methodical, uh, reaction based play, and those kind of players give him fits. The only issue with why he's doing so. I mean, the only reason why he's doing so well and has been is because he has a rotation of characters that do very well against those kind of play styles. But over the last, you know, around six or seven months, he's kind of been figured out. There's been so much video of him and the way he plays. He plays incredibly disrespectful, which is, uh, which caters to like Street Fighter V's style in general. But for the most part, people have started to slow things down. So those kind of disrespectful reads, those disrespectful offensive maneuvers that he always goes for, those are getting figured out. Those are getting seen. And um, for the most part, he's a favorite, but only because he's just that good of a player. But people are starting to figure out exactly what Nokundu wants to do uh, for the most part. Okay. Well, um, Jacob, let me ask you this. With all the nerfs and complaints about nerfs in Street Fighter V, what's a character you want to see played at EVO? I know you play some Street Fighter in your spare time as well. Honestly, like Zangief is, is because of Snake Eyes' last couple of finishes at Combo Breaker and CEO, I've seen a lot of Zangief, but I really like it. Um, character is much different than when the game came out uh, because of buffs, actually, and nerfs to other characters. Um, but he's a whole different character in Season 2, and I would like to see Snake Eyes um, really fight and make it top 8 at this tournament, strictly for the fact that this tournament's going to have a lot more of international competitors that we've not yet seen at other tournaments because. Uh, just like in Tekken, which this is a classic thing in Tekken from every discussion I've had, a lot of the international competitors in Street Fighter are only now coming out to the big tournament. So either to Capcom Cub, if they're invited and they have enough points where they qualify, or to Evo itself. Um, so I really want to see how Zangief and Snake Eyes can do uh, together and see if he can continue this you know, top eight finishes and obviously win at CEO and, and live up to that hype using Zangief. Okay, well, one character I want to see is, um, I want to see Chun-Li be played. But of course, <laughs> I know, it's just wishful thinking. But um, if you guys haven't seen it yet, our Ricky Ortiz profile just came out on ESPN.com. Uh, Katie Barnes did a fantastic job talking about the relationship between Ricky and her um, kind of loyalty to Chun-Li, despite all the terrible nerfs that's been aimed at her. Um, mm-hmm. Tim, what, what character would you want to see at EVO? Or what kind of matchup um, would you want to see at EVO? I'm a big birdie fan. I think most of the times when you ever you see a top level birdie, uh, we're talking about like guys like Menard, uh, Daikoko, XYZZY. Every single time they get on stage and they win, the crowd kind of goes uh, nuts 
because he's a character that doesn't really deserve those kind of victories. You can play <laughs> him in five different ways. He's one of the most versatile characters. Uh, and I like him because he's super fat, right? Because uh, you don't get to see that many characters. They're all kind of boring looking. But for, for Birdie, he has a unique aesthetic about him. I just like the way he's played. And uh, the top players that really engineer him the best, they really kind of drive up the hype moments. Uh, he's like a hype machine created by just being a, a designed. So I think if Birdie makes a top eight, which is so highly unlikely, I think that's more, more unlikely than having a Chun-Li in top eight because you have like MOV, right? You could still have MOV come up and do really well. Um, but a Birdie in top eight, that'd be pretty ridiculous. Tim, are you a Birdie so I think you'll. I think you will get. I think you will get a lot of birdie moments on stream strictly for so the too. fact that, that Xavier Woods, the WWE superstar oh, who is going okay. to be entering an Evo, he is there, and I, there is no way they do not put his pulls on the Street Fighter stream. Just strictly for the fact that strictly for the fact he is there, and then he plays birdie. So I think you're going to get your wish in saying a lot of birdie. It just may not be in top eight. Wait, Tim, I totally yeah. forgot to ask you the most important question, which is, are you competing at the event this year? I am. Oh, you yeah, are? Awesome. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to make it out of my pools. I don't know if I'll make it out of winners, but uh, I'll do my best. So what character are you going to play this weekend? Who's your I'll main? Probably play, I'll probably play Birdie and uh, mostly Balrog because I've already walked over to the dark side. <laughs> so let's say you get matched up with Xavier Woods in the first round. Who will win? Uh-huh. You or uh, Xavier? Me. He's not... He's not a real player. I'm, not, oh. I'm more excited about seeing Xavier Woods as a Tekken player because he actually puts in a lot of work with Tekken. Right. But as a Street Fighter player, that's not even a question. I think that's like, uh, I don't know how many perfects I'll get. I think it's a matter of how many perfects I'll get. Woo! Yo, fighting words. <laughs> Jacob, you got to tell your man Xavier Woods, Tim Lee, the player to watch out for at Evo. Oh I mean, Xavier, Xavier is not too bad. He beat, me, he beat me in Street Fighter, and it was close, but he still beat me. And I don't think mm-hmm. he's that bad of a player. I think he's okay. Maybe, maybe two perfects then. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So, last, I have a couple of few questions left for you, Tim. Um, sure. Infiltration, where is he in the conversation? Like, well, he won last year. Can he defend his title? Will we see another Cinderella run? Right, yeah. So, um, last year, he kind of came in as the dominant de facto tournament favorite when Evo started because he kind of crushed the first part of 2016. And I kind of lumped him in with a bunch of other legends of the fighting game community in uh, the preview that I wrote uh, for ESPN, obviously. So um, I kind of have him lumped in with like people like Daigo, like Momochi, um, all these players that are statistically have always done super well in a Street Fighter game. But this kind of ver- like version, this kind of iteration, Street Fighter V in general doesn't cater to their play styles. And while I do want to think that Infiltration will make a deep run, which he probably will, because he's gone back to his roots, uh, essentially, when he went back to Nash, uh, it's really difficult for him to maneuver past the top players now because he's no longer considered the elite tier. He's now considered like almost an afterthought. So maybe that could be to his favor, uh, but to me, I think it's to his detriment. I think he needs to be a favorite. Okay. All right, so then let me ask you this. Will we see another Cinderella run like L.I. Joe, or who are you predicting to make that kind of upset victory at Evo? Uh, I have Oil King doing that. So he would be the guy who would do a ton of work. He's not considered the best Rashid. That's Gachikun. That's the guy who's considered the best Rashid in the world. But Oil King has been the hottest player in the Capcom Pro Tour. So I think he's going to be the guy who makes a lot of waves. Uh, a pretty good shot, in my opinion, to make top eight. 
He has arguably a top three character that nobody wants to admit. And he is one of the best players, tutored by one of the best players in the world, that's Gamer B. So he's got all the tools to do well. And um, I think his pool really like uh, fits pretty well for him, too, to, to make a really deep run. Can we talk more about his character choice? Why, why will that make him a powerhouse to watch out for? Right. So, like, there's a lot of characters that people consider overpowered or great, right? Because Balrog has taken a lot of the headlines. I think, for a fact, Rashid is one of the best characters, maybe even top three. Uh, he has pretty much every tool to do well. He has pressure tools that make sure that all the V reversals and defensive tools that Street Fighter V provides are obsolete. He has great movement options, damage options, whatever his weaknesses were in Season 1, which was mostly damage and mobility. Those are negated because of all the buffs that he got in Season 2.5. And he's arguably one of the best characters in closing the gap and making comebacks because of his V-trigger and the fact that he builds meter so quickly. So he's one of the hardest characters to deal with. He's one of the hardest characters to cage. And um, Oil King is one of those guys who can run away with a character like that. So I would think... Honestly, if you were looking at stream top 32 and whatever, you would not be surprised to see at least seven Rashids in the top 32. All right, Oil King, next guy to watch out for, guys. Well, more ESPN Esports in a moment, but first we'd like to hear from you. Whether you're new to the podcast or have been listening for some time, we'd like to know how we're doing. If you like what you hear, make sure you're subscribed so we're easy to find next time. And if you subscribe in the ESPN app, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. And you can always tweet us your thoughts at ESPN underscore esports. Now, guys, let's talk about Smash for a hot second. This year will be the first time that we have Smash 4 on Sunday instead of Melee. So let's just summarize this really quickly. What does this mean for the Smash community as a whole, Jacob? So I think it's a, a big deal, particularly because Smash 4 felt like they got kind of gimped last year by Evo. Mm-hmm. Um, there, because of some stream delays and some drama between a couple of players, uh, Smash 4, like, second day, or Smash 4 first day, the evening, um, was going on until, like, 1 in the morning. And then players had to wake up and be ready for uh, Top 32, I believe, at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Um, now I feel like it's kind of like a token of, of peace. Um, it's also because Smash 4 has kind of grown. It's been it's had more interest than Melee at a few tournaments. I think they're very neck and neck, uh, if I remember the interest numbers correct for this year. Um, but I think yeah. it, was, it was kind of a token of token of peace between the, uh, Evo and Smash 4 because last year they really messed them up. And you had players that got like three or four hours of sleep and had to wake up and be ready and at their best at 10 a.m. the next day. So I feel like this it, it's a little bit slower. Um, you know, spread out over three days now instead of your normal two uh, in the case of last year. And frankly, I, I just think it's overall just Evo trying to make up for something that happened last year and that they, you know, didn't intend for. All right, Tim, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's pretty It's pretty close to what Jacob was saying. It's uh, Like he said, it's a token of peace. I like the way he said it. For me, it's almost like taking turns, right? Melee had its shine, uh, and it has been having its shine for the last 14 years at the EVO main stage. Whenever it's been an EVO, it's always been a main event game. But for me, it's because Smash 4 started to develop its characters, right? Like within its community. Melee, you always know the iconic people. There's always those four gods or whatever that everyone talks about. (laughs) Everybody always talks about this and that, you know, Mango and uh, Amada. These are characters and people that they all know. They associate these people with their specific games. Smash 4, you're starting to see that. You know, it's starting to differentiate from just having Zero being the guy who dominates the entire community. Even though technically he still does really well, 
there are people that are starting to come out and, you know, put themselves on the map. And Smash 4 has had an issue, in my opinion, with developing these kind of player identities, people to really invest in. In the last year or so, it's been almost like Smash 4 has taken its complete 180, and now people are starting to associate players with that respective game. There have been people that are starting to emerge as personalities to follow. So I think Smash 4 has really done strides in making sure that it's more than just a pet game in the Smash community and more of a headliner, which is why it's getting its due. Right. Well, Jacob, so Smash 4 gets a much bigger stage on Sunday, as we all know, a much bigger audience. So what do you think this means specifically for the Smash 4 community? I mean, I feel like they've been waiting for this for a long time. So EVO 2007 for Melee was one of those moments uh, from everyone I've talked to, essentially where it felt like this was great for Melee. Melee had only really had big event support from MLG, and, and this was special. I feel like this is the same thing for Smash 4. Um, that is an unparalleled arena in fighting games right now. Putting them in that big of a, it's a stadium. It's a stadium rather than a convention center or rather than a hotel ballroom, which is the majority of where you see fighting game tournaments and Smash tournaments held. So this is, and it's just like it was for Melee last year, I think this is special because this is putting them in a stadium and having that many people watch. And I remember Melee last year. It was so fun to watch it. And I was side of stage and I heard all the roars of the crowd, a full house as everybody was filling in to come see Street Fighter, but there were a lot of people there for Melee as well. And you're getting the same thing with Smash 4 this year, I feel. It's going to be just as many people and it's going to be just as special. It's going to be a like pretty much a historical moment for this game's history. Right now, to keep up with the fighting game conversation, on the other side of the world, we have writer Imad Khan speaking about the competitive gaming scene in Japan. Thanks, Rachel. More Americans are moving to Japan, and they're bringing their controllers with them. There's currently an expat melee scene that has gained a lot of attention within the Smash community, and as they're continuing to grow, they're slowly integrating with the Japanese scene. I'm sitting here with... Sean Rogers. And uh, I'm Zachary Case. And uh, guys, uh, tell me a little bit more about... um, kind of like what the expat melee scene and like how is it growing uh it's i mean we get new people it feels like we get new people every day or uh not every day or but people message us super constantly uh whenever they're gonna show up in japan yeah like when we first started there was nothing here like uh i would i remember when i came in and i went on like smash boards and reddit trying to like find people and posting stuff and like nothing really turned up. I just like I saw one post on Smashboards about finding people in, to play Smash Bros with in Japan, and I contacted that one guy, and it was just like me and him for the longest time. And uh, eventually, more foreigners started contacting us through the Smashboards post, and like it got bigger and bigger. And then we were in Tokyo, and Sean is from Yokosuka. It's a little bit farther south, and we just kind of connected, and uh, the scene got a lot bigger through that. And uh, Especially with the uh, yeah. Reddit posts. Yeah, actually, whenever I first came here, it was like two months before I found anyone, and it was just by by accident. I was like on Twitch, and uh, just in the chat, I was like, oh yeah, I'm in Japan. Some guy was like, me too, what area? And it just ha- just so happened to be a Navy sailor. you know. So it was like me and two, two sailors for the longest time, and then I finally made, after like, I think my third Reddit post, someone finally commented, and more and more people started coming, and then uh, one of, one of one of the people from my group uh, got in contact with Zach uh, in Tokyo, so we kind of integrated. I see. Uh, the people that are coming from from the U.S. or from other are, are there people from other countries as well coming? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I actually have a video on my phone where uh, we're playing with like people from six different countries, and we did this thing where like we'd have 
like all the different languages commentating on this match. And uh, <laughs> we had we had Deathgazer here from the UK. He's the number eight Falco eight player in the UK. He plays Falco eight or nine, eight or nine, something wrong. like that. He's and he's uh, there. it was him versus Pau, and I think Pau is thirteenth in Japan right now. And uh, they were playing, and we had like four different languages commentating it. <laughs> it, it was really interesting. But yeah, people from all over the world. Uh, yeah, that I mean that that's actually really interesting. Um, now, are a lot of people coming? Are they moving to Japan? Or are they just visiting? A lot of them are visiting. Okay. Uh, there's, there's, I feel like for every person that moves here, it's like three or four people that are just stopping more. by for like a week. I yeah, see, or, see. yeah, more actually. But to add to that, it's actually like we have people contacting us like months ahead of time. Like we're going to be in Japan like for this date. So is there any way you can set like set something up for us, which right. is easy to do, or like if there is a Smash Fest, like let us know because they're coming so far ahead of time and we get so much like new talent like we're never playing with the same people we Mm -hmm. get experience with a lot of new play styles like almost every week we get new play styles to play against and I think that it's so helpful for our scene like we see all the play styles we get to adapt to everything like it doesn't get stale yeah it's it's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. So we have this, uh, ja- you know, this American scene or I mean, this expat scene, you mm-hmm. know, kind of growing in Japan. And then, how is it integrating with the Japanese scene that's currently here? It's it's rough. Why uh, is it rough? So uh, yeah, I'll let you. Uh, so I play with both the Japanese scene. Like uh, I go to a lot of Japanese Smash Fests, and uh, I also like uh, set up and go to a lot of the foreigner Smash Fests too in Tokyo. And it's really challenging to integrate them because. The Japanese players don't really speak English, and the foreign players don't really speak Japanese. So if we ever... Like, sometimes we have the Japanese players come to ours, our Smash Fest, but, like, even when they're playing, they, they, they can play and have fun, but, like, you can't talk to each other, you can't, like, critique each other. You're just kind of, like, playing and, like, making sounds. Like, oh, oh, yeah, man, oh my oh, God. Oh. <laughs> like, and then, like, if you're lucky, then, like, the person you're playing is, like, a good sport about it, and they're willing to, like meet you halfway on the making sounds like oh let's have fun but and then like furthermore into into that aspect is like without having like an intermediary who can speak both english and japanese to contact both parties they they like english speakers and japanese speakers can't really contact each other yeah to Mm -hmm. like let's meet up unless they do like a google translate but even that it's kind of a pain when they could just contact the other japanese players you know or the english players could just contact the english players and i I think like also the skill gap is pretty big between the foreigners and Mm -hmm. the the japanese players too so like who's more talented the japanese Japanese. players (laughs) Uh, at least the ones that i've played with i've played with japanese players who are the same level as us too that's true but uh the one that i usually go to like Plata comes and Shipu comes and uh, yeah, all the top players from so, around Japan for the most part, mm, you know, yeah. just in that region. So I think getting our scene to integrate with those kinds of players, we're going to be open to learning a little bit more Japanese. Yeah, or we'll have to figure something out, but it's really difficult right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how long have you guys been living in Japan? Uh, for me, I've been here about two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, about a year and. Four months now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, 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 is learning language just like a very difficult process when living here? Yeah, uh, it's very difficult. And I noticed that a lot of the words are like very situation specific. So like, even if, like I can speak and like have a like normal like small talk, but even when I'm playing the game, you know, like these words come up that like when I'm playing the game, I just wouldn't use in everyday conversation. And like the game language is different than the normal language and like not just like the the tech specific words but like 
just like anything, like the quick, like, oh man, you beat me here. And like the spacing was so good and it's hard to, it's almost a different kind of Japanese. So like, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, uh, we, we were, we were talking earlier and, uh, I, you mentioned that the, the expat scene, I mean, you guys are getting a lot of attention. You would actually say it's, it has more international publicity than the Japanese scene itself. Yeah. So whenever I wrote the, uh, the Reddit post, you know, I, it blew up. It, I think it was, it was on like one of the, it was on the second page of yeah it made it to right. like number 20 on our all yeah oh really wow yeah. it got it got super big and it was like literally if you read the post it was just uh me asking if there's other people in japan who wanted to join our scene um so you know a bunch of people started messaging me like hey hey uh you know i'm gonna be in japan around this time and also people asking for interviews and just some information about right. about uh, the the uh, japanese scene in general so it Compared to like the Japanese scene here, like it was hard for us to find information on it uh, whenever we first got here. So it, I mean, just kind of goes to show how mm. how tough it is. Yeah. And then I think through our publicity too, people were able to contact with like get in contact with the Japanese scene mm-hmm. a lot more too. So like the Reddit post didn't just like help us; it also helped like the whole scene in Japan because I know that after that, like a lot of my Japanese friends would get contact contacted through Twitter about like. Mm-hmm. Are you hosting a Smash Fest? And like, uh, they could just translate it or like ask me. And then, yeah, the like the publicity got out of control. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it got it was crazy. Um, uh, so. You know, and then I think uh, another thing that now that I found really interesting is that when you guys moved here, GameCube controllers were kind of like everywhere. But I mean, as I guess Smash has continued to grow in popularity, what's going on with that? The the con- the controllers are getting harder to find. Yeah, when I first got here, I remember going into like book off or uh like any recycling shop and you could just go in and there's this big section of controllers gamecube controllers like all the different colors like like purple and clear black silver nothing rare but like all the basic colors and right. uh like they're just like 1300 yen which is like roughly 12 dollars. and uh that was about a year and four months ago and i feel like ever since there's been there's about like how many people are in the Facebook group? Like 60 now? Yeah, there's like 60-something. Like and, yeah. like, every time people come, we tell them, like, where to buy. And, like, they go out, and they're like, yeah, I bought, like, four or five controllers. And now, like, yesterday I checked about three or four recycling shops, and there was nothing. Yeah. Like, no GameCube controllers. Wow. There was a place uh, right by my uh, apartment, actually, where, you know, they'd sell GameCubes and uh, controllers by themselves and then paired together. And uh, I think it was... It's so like three or four months ago, they just stopped selling them all together. So there's like no more GameCube controllers or uh, GameCubes in general. So it's getting tough to find. But wow. you can go to online auction sites. Like Yahoo Auction is very, mm-hmm. it's a very popular one. It's kind right. of like the eBay of Japan. You can get like big lots there, but uh, it's just harder to find them in person. I see, yeah. I see, yeah. I see. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. And of course, it like ties into the overall narrative of just finding, you know, quality GameCube controllers and of course there's like the discussion happening on like mm. you know if controllers should be modded with, with, with what Hacks is working on yeah, or like the Arduino oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely interesting uh, and something very unique to, to the Melee scene um, and then you know I think uh, before we close it off let's uh, let's talk about some bad American manners some things <laughs> that you would like to see when expats come so occasionally there will be some Americans that come and I guess they just kind of forget where they are um, but I think Zach had a personal experience whenever some people he invited some people over to a smash fest um and like not too not too uh far in they like asked for snacks or something right yeah it wasn't like 
bad manners, you know. I mean, it, it kind of was. Like, I, I wouldn't even do it in America, I guess. But, like, they, they, they come over, and uh, they were they were cool. They were, like, nice guys. But we're playing, and all of a sudden, they're, like, they're telling me, like, yo, we're hungry. And I'm like, okay. So, like, there's a Kamiya store around the corner. Right. And they're like, can you just, like, ask him if he has snacks? And I'm like, all right. And then I look over to the, the host. His name's Gene. And I ask him if he has snacks in Japanese, and he just looks at me like, are you really asking me if I have snacks right now like, to give to these people? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah I yeah. think so. And but, then, like, he brings yeah. out these little hard candies, like, here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, Plus, like, tournament manners, I guess. Like, there was, uh, I don't know if there were a couple, but it was a guy and a girl at a previous Battle Gateway tournament. And, you know, they just kind of, they're in a corner, you know, playing on a setup, and they're just kind of, like, not very open to other people coming to, like, plug in. Oh, yeah, I, like I walked over and I plugged and I was like, oh, you know, can I get some games? And they, they ignore me for like a solid three matches. I was like, you know, can I plug in? They're like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And so I, I play in each time like, I don't know, they they kind of like pop off or they, they get super excited every, every single time they uh, beat me, even though it's like lower level. But it's just like, you know, be open, you know, play with everyone. Don't, I think, I think that goes for like any scene though, not just here in Japan. Mm, mm. Yeah. Oh, one more thing, it's not quite Smash related, but I mean, I do see it with people who come to play Smash. Like when you're on the train, nobody talks, and like I feel like whenever new people come and they meet me, we're on the train, and like they're just talking at the top of their like lo- the top of their voices, mm-hmm. and like nobody's talking. We're just like the only foreigners in there, just like <laughs> screaming. Kind of, we're not screaming, but like compared to the other people, like you could tell they're annoyed, and it kind of gives a bad name to all the foreigners. So like, just try and like mimic what the Japanese like. When in Rome, do what the Romans do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All right, very cool. Uh, and before we close out, um, would you guys like to plug your Twitters or anything? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can follow me at S-E-A-N-R-O-J-J or at Sean Raj on Twitter. And uh, uh, my Twitter is uh, at underscore uh, B-I-N-J, but I don't use it frequently. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think there's someone that they sh- people should follow. Uh, his name's Watch. He's like, uh, he's super helpful in the Japanese scene connecting uh, Americans with like other Japanese locals his name's yeah uh, his Twitter is uh, at watch underscore SSBM and uh, he's quite fluent in English too yeah yeah. So. All right, very cool um, and with that back to you Rachel thanks a lot for the interview that's all the time we have for the podcast today if you want more esports content be sure to check out ESPN.com slash esports where we have a whole hub of information about Evo Make sure to follow us on Twitter at ESPN underscore esports, at Rachel Youngu, and at Shino Sports underscore. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.